0: Talkzone.com!
1: Alright, welcome everybody. Thanks for joining us. Beautiful Monday here in the fine city of Chicago. Hope everybody out there had a uh, outstanding weekend. It is the coach at your service. We'll be with you all week from 10 until 11. Kind of a mid-morning sports break, if you will. It's the uh, Mike Two Guys show, TalkZone.com. David Olson, our producer, he will be with us at least for a couple days. and Then he might get tired of us and take the rest of the week off. It's not scheduled but I'm anticipating him doing that. Uh, my partner, via the phone lines, from beautiful downtown Aurora, Illinois, arguably one of the top three growing cities in the Chicago area. That's arguably. You could argue that a lot, by the way. It's my good friend, the big dog, Joel Redwanski.
0: Big dog, how are you? Well, I'm doing fantastic because I'm growing as we speak, Coach. I'm really excited to do the show today.
1: Did you say you're growing or you're drilling as we speak?
0: Well, it kind of both, but yeah, I'll go with drawing.
1: <laughs> you sound like you're starting the show the same way you ended it last week, <laughs> which we almost got kicked off the air for. Behave yourself, please. We are a family sports station.
0: Yeah, it, was, it had something to do with my moral compass.
1: Point oh goodness, your moral compass got lost a long time ago. By the way, speaking of that, I, I have to, I have to mention this. Uh, a truly, truly classic moment came at um, what I hope to be will be my final picture day. David Olson, you'll be. With two young kids, they're going to be entering soccer and t-ball down the road. Uh You will be having many, many delightful picture days for the sports teams coming up the not-too-distant. Big Dog, I'm on my final year, my uh, youngest son in eighth grade, so this is it. Final picture day. I hate picture day. Uh, yeah, picture picture day, day is about as much fun as...
0: Uh, or for your, like, baseball team.
1: Yes. Sports team pictures. The quote-unquote... Okay picture day where you have eight hundred kids all show up, some volunteer dad who's been assigned to be like in charge of the whole thing, completely uh-huh. unorganized. You know, you show up at 9 15 in the morning, you wait for like an hour. It's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. The kindergarten first grade it's kind of fun, you know, when you've been through it for eight years. Anyhow, anyhow, we're waiting in line next to a T ball team. Now this is a true classic <laughs> And, uh, the team ball team, I don't know if it's an all girls team. I don't think it is, but like two thirds of the team is girls. These are little, little kids, like five, six years old. And their team name on the front is the Hot Rods. Okay? okay. And then as they're, <laughs> as they're leaving their picture, I saw on the back their sponsor. I swear to you, this is true. Their sponsor, Fertility Clinic of Illinois. Uh,
0: there's, <laughs> There's just something Great. absolutely wrong about that. I, I can't even laugh at that particular you know, Oh, thing, I thought
1: that was a six-year-old T-ball team sponsored by the Fertility Clinic of Illinois. And uh, and their team name, the Hot Rods, and, and I got one more zinger to it. I swear to you this is all true. Our Pony League team. So you got a bunch of tall guys standing next to him. Our sponsor, in big red letters on the back, I swear to you, Do Wood.
0: Great story. <laughs> Compelling and
1: rich. <laughs> like a Will movie. Do, so you got a T-ball team sponsored by the Fertility Clinic of Illinois next in line is the Pony League team sponsored by Dewwood the T-ball team is named the Hot Rods I I said I told one of the coaches of the T-ball team we could have a party together at the end of the year have a pretty good time
0: Uh yeah too bad it's 6-year-old T you know T-ball coach that that is an issue
1: No of course it isn't an you know, issue the
0: coaches they don't have to let them, they they don't have to let the kids in on the secret
1: <laughs> do what apparently i'm trying to figure out who our sponsor is as best i've been told because i've got a jersey with do what in the back i'm wearing it very proudly apparently it's some guy he does not have a kid in the baseball program but uh-huh. some old-fashioned guy who's a supporter of the baseball program joel who's a big believer in the wooden bats and he sponsors a team for 500 bucks just to promote the fact. And this year, in fact, our league for one week is going to be wooden bats only. But he's a big promoter of the wooden bat, thus the sponsor, Do Wood.
0: Well, that's actually pretty cool. And you know, it's it's a lot cheaper to do aluminum, but I can understand why you know people yes. want aluminum bats. And I mean, the wood bats instead of the aluminum, a lot less head injuries and stuff. So. Yeah. Well, if
1: I, I if I coach next year, I am going to request that our Pony League team will be sponsored by the Fertility Clinic of Illinois. I think that's only right. <laughs> And the team named the hot rods. That was classic.
0: Well, All right. you, you know the fertility Clinic. You know that, that might not seem like a good sponsorship, but one person with awakening it pays for the it pays for the sponsorship <laughs> right there.
1: See, so he's spoken like a true business person.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If
1: you could apply that business uh, knowledge and acumen to our show, we wouldn't be struggling as bad as we are, Big Dog.
0: Well, I'd be, I'd be, if I could actually get outside of the house, Coach, I would actually help us spread the word, spread the gospel. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, we got to get you outside the house. All right. We got lots of sports to talk about. Phone lines are open, folks. 888-463-6748. Big sports weekend. Uh, again, phone number here is 888-463-6748. You are invited to, at any time throughout the show, including now to uh, call in questions, comments, criticisms, positive remarks, anything you want to say. Big dog and the coach. We are here at your service dog. We had a. Kind of a varied sports weekend here in Chicago. Most of it good. The baseball teams turned around. The uh, hockey team had a thrilling victory, kind of a dud in the basketball last night. But overall, pretty good weekend for Chicago sports.
0: Uh, yeah, the Bulls gave you some hope, you know, going into the weekend and then, you know, they get blown out. So let's concentrate. On what could possibly be the greatest Blackhawks playoff game wow. in in thirty forty years? I, I'm really in my lifetime that was the greatest and playoff game that I can remember, without a doubt. Just to and clarify, I mean, when
1: when you say greatest, not the greatest performance, but the most exciting.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's just absolutely. I mean, I thought that game was over with. You know what I mean? And I'm still hanging in there, hanging in there. And then when Kane scored. Still, I'm like, you know, yeah, they still have a, they have four minutes to kill in overtime at that particular point. So I didn't think they were going to get it done. Then he turned to the baseball team. One team absolutely annihilates what was the, one of the hottest teams in baseball for three straight games, and the other team, maybe they didn't annihilate them, but they had three consecutive games where two walk-offs and then an eighth-inning, uh, you know, home run by Paul Konerko leads the American League or Major Leagues in home runs. Mm-hmm. So what a weekend for the baseball teams and for uh, Chicago
1: Blackhawks. Let's break it down a little bit. Let's start with the hockey game because I'm right with you. That was, we talked about Stanley Cup hockey, whether you're a mid-level hockey fan like myself or you follow it all season long. And I'm a mid-level fan only because I don't have more time to put into it. I love hockey and could thoroughly get into it just a matter of time. But the bottom line is that game was a classic example of what's great about Stanley Cup playoff hockey. If you didn't watch it, if you're – Listening from another city, I know I want to talk about the Phoenix Coyotes and Detroit Red Wings. That's another great hockey series. But the Hawks jumped out to a uh, three-one lead. Well, they got down one nothing, but yeah. they were they were dominating play after that first goal, and then they tie it up at one to one, and they go ahead two to one, and they were absolutely—I don't think I'm exaggerating, Big Dog—dominating the game at that point.
0: Oh no, I was extremely happy as a Blackhawk yeah. fan because, and then they get the three-one lead, and I'm like, you know what? They're going to win this game. Yeah. I mean, I really, really felt good at that particular time. And then the third period started, coach. And then they weren't dominating play anymore. Well, actually, uh, you're you're right.
1: They, but but the I think the short-handed goal, the little fluke shorty, if you will, came right before the uh, period break. I think.
0: Uh, yeah, I think it was, but. The, Basically, what happened for the first like five to six minutes of the third period, they got outskated, they got outplayed, and it was like, "What the heck is going on here?" Did we lose? No. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. And Nashville, all of a sudden, they tied it up three to three. So a game that was once dominated by the Chicago Blackhawks in front of their own uh, fans, all of a sudden that short-handed goal kind of. The flight of the balloon a little bit, but you're still ahead three to two. Then you're right in the third period it was all Nashville. They tie it up three to three. Suddenly the United Center is quiet. This is the highly favored Hawks going up against Nashville. If Nashville wins this game, they're the prohibitive favorite series is tied at two to two. Not only do they tie it up at three to three, they score another goal. Breakdown by the Blackhawks were down four to three. Deflation City at the United Center. And yeah, then dog got you were quiet
0: there. You he were watching just around. like
1: myself. Uh, as the frustration mounted and the Hawks started to dominate play, but they couldn't score. Eight minutes, seven minutes. The clock is ticking. Six, five, four. And we're all thinking to ourselves, this is going to be a crushing defeat. Three minutes, two minutes. It's getting worse and worse. One minute, 30 seconds. How depressing. This is going to be a killer. And they even got a penalty with, what, about a minute left?
0: Yeah, it was, I believe, a minute, 13 to go when Marion Hosta took a, a just a.
1: Stupid
0: yeah. penalty, and so now
1: uh, with a minute 13, now all chances are gone at this point, right?
0: Yeah, at this point, I'm like, they need a freaking miracle, is what I'm thinking at this point. Yeah, well, play the well, hallelujah. You major, they got one.
1: They did indeed. Unbelievable. You were watching one of the uh, more exciting and dramatic Stanley Cup goals uh, in recent memory. 13 seconds left across the crease. It go. Patrick Kane right there for the put in. 13 seconds in the game. Unbelievable moment for the Hawks and. and Big Dog, I couldn't help thinking, as great as it was for the Hawks, can you imagine how the Nashville Predators must have felt that close to victory? You hold on for a whole period. 13 seconds left. That must have been crushing for them.
0: Yeah, and, you know, they have every reason to feel absolutely horrible because, you know, you give up a shorthanded goal to tie the game, and I do realize there was an empty net, but, you know, still you're playing. With, they're playing with an empty net, so there's an even number of skaters. And then after they tied up, you still had, they had four minutes, four minutes, of a power play going into overtime. So, you know, a lot of people from Nashville whining and complaining about the cheap shot that Marion Hosta put on the damn fuse, or whatever his name is. But the point of the matter is they still had four minutes of power play in overtime to get it done. So I don't – anybody complaining in Nashville that Mm -hmm. Hosta was on the ice for the game-winning goal, she just shut up. They should have scored in those first four minutes of overtime. And
1: and that added to the drama because as you're celebrating the uh, unbelievable elation, if you're a Hawk fan – of the Patrick Kane goal with 13 seconds left, a little bit in the back of you is remembering that, wait a minute, this is going to go sudden death, and the penalty to Hosa was not a two-minute, it was a five-minute major. Yeah. So as you described, the Hawks had to come out and kill four pressure-packed minutes of hockey. They did a great job. And then to add it all off, as soon as Hossa came on the ice, 10 seconds later, he scores the game-winning goal from the opposite side of the net, again, kind of similar to the Patrick Kane goal, kind of. Went across the crease, and he was right there for the uh, easy putback.
0: Yeah, that's that's what you're supposed to do. If you're a hockey player, especially a forward, and you, and you need to score a goal, you're supposed to get to the front of the net. I mean, that's a dangerous spot. That's where you're probably going to get hit, but mm-hmm. that's where you're supposed to do. You get deflections, you get uh, rebounds, and, and you're able to put them in. And that's what I have to admit, I didn't even feel elation. It was kind of weird when Patrick Kane scored that goal, Coach. I was like, yes, but I didn't really get all that excited. Because exactly what you were talking about, it's in the back of my head. I was like, oh, no, they still have to. You know what I mean? I didn't want to uh, go crazy. But i tell you sh- something. When Mary and Lisa scored, the fact that I didn't go all that crazy over Kane because I didn't want to celebrate when they, they were still in a lot of trouble, it was multiplied by by, a, by about a million, Coach. I was running around my house mm. with nobody else <laughs> in it, like bouncing off the walls. <laughs> normally I'm watching these games with like my boys, like five to six of my See, boys. And-
1: no one there to celebrate with? Well, Mahmoud
0: was sleeping. You know what I mean? And I woke him up. And, and trust me, the way I was screaming, he came running out with his AK-47. It, it was not a good look, Coach. It was not a good look. Trust me, if anything happens to the house, uh, Mahmoud will be prepared. Uh,
1: what an emotional moment. Did you go uh, cold shower? Did you go for a run outside? Did you uh, have a couple of brewskis to celebrate? Did you grope yourself? What was your celebration mode post game?
0: Uh, I really can't remember. I came to about two and a half to three minutes afterwards, Coach, <laughs> But I got bruises all over my freaking body, and that's no joke. I you got have, them everywhere. You, you
1: have no idea what happened in that two and a half minute time,
0: huh? No, no. And it was funny because, uh, like, what is unusual for me for a hockey game? I was sober watching it, so it was it was a little bit different. Uh-huh.
1: I was um uh, about two three minutes away from missing the entire thing. I was I didn't watch it live, as of course is my tradition. I had others. Games and stuff. I was coaching, but at the last minute, really, you know, at game five, you know what? Hawks are going to win, and I'll tune into game six at the last second. I decided to tape it. Almost Did you really missed say it. That?
0: Came home oh, and game watched five, the game. they're and... going to win, huh? Oh, game five is the Hawks will win? we really thinking that. Yeah. I was. I you know, was. The national co- team is really good. You realize this? At
1: the last second, I do realize that. At the last second, I said, you know, you know what? I'll tape it just in case. Well, the just in case came through. Good decision by the coach.
0: Yeah, I would have to say so. That was without a to the best Blackhawks game in, in at least two decades since at least '92. Well,
1: that's and pretty that strong. Year, that was a
0: disappointing season, so
1: that's a pretty strong statement. You said the as exciting as game as they've had in the last twenty years.
0: Yes. Wow. Without because any regular season game does not count. Okay, and you do have that Vancouver game last year in Game Four, which was phenomenal when uh, they went down two nothing. Actually, you know, they scored like five goals in the second period. But there was just something that was a little bit different about this at home. cloud was absolutely silent. You felt like, Oh, they had this absolutely great season. And now they're going to, it's going to go right down the mm-hmm. tubes there. Cause you go down two, three going into Nashville, Nashville's a lot better than people might think they are coach. And this series isn't over. I know everybody's like, Oh, it's done. How can the predators come back? It's hockey. They scored the first goal of game six. They have the momentum. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. that's I, this series is not over by any means. But yesterday, I, I can't think of any Blackhawk game bigger than this. And consider they weren't in the playoffs for 14 out of 15 seasons. I'm not going to consider a, a, an exciting regular season game where Tony Amante scored two goals in the last minute in, in 2001 when they were uh, you know five games below 500 at the end of the year as one of them. No. <laughs> so, this has to be the most exciting Blackhawk game in the last. 20
1: years. So. All right. I'm not going to question your authority after experiencing it 48 hours ago. I'm definitely not going to, uh, by the way, before we leave the hockey front, one hour sports show, folks, we got to keep moving on this show. We got baseball, basketball, the talk. We jump off the sports page. We got to find out what the big dog did over the weekend. That's the best part of the show. But, uh, what other hockey note? Great series going on. Phoenix, the Coyote, taking on Detroit, the Red Wing, the Red Wings. If I got it right, big dog, uh, we're up three to two great series back and forth at Detroit and Phoenix comes up with a victory yesterday to even it up at three to three. So we will see game seven. This is turning into a classic first round matchup.
0: Yeah. And Detroit was playing the best hockey of anybody going into the playoffs. But yep. uh, next thing you know, it's they're in a game seven, they're in a one game situation. And, and uh, Phoenix has just as good a chance as anybody. So uh, it's, uh, you know, the Vancouver and LA are playing a really good series. Uh, you know, the, San Jose has actually they they clinched against Colorado, isn't it? They passed, they beat them.
1: Yeah, I think so. so. Philadelphia, Philadelphia Flyers who barely got in, right? They got in on the final day. Yes, yeah. and they it they won their things, series. They
0: barely got in, but they got the seventh seed when they barely got in.
1: Yeah, but they won their series four to one. So the team that barely got in absolutely crushed. I can't even remember who they play, but the Flyers. New
0: Jersey. The Flyers are Jersey.
1: they're flying, so you know they're they're a red hot uh, underdog, if you will, but they have a lot of momentum.
0: Well, it, if there's any sport where your seedings don't mean anything in professional sports, that is, yep. it is hockey. Yeah. It, it was without, without a doubt it's hockey yep. because the, the favorite going into this tournament was Detroit, and they're the fifth seed mm-hmm. of the Western Conference, so they're, they're around the 10th seed overall out of 16 teams, and they were the favorite coming in to actually win yep. the cup this year.
1: I did hear a rumor over the weekend Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner, is thinking of uh, expanding the NHL playoffs to 64
0: teams. Well that was it's worked for you know, it's worked for the NCA for so many years, yes. so they're thinking about doing it too yeah
1: the other minor problem that these guys got to find thirty two other teams to fill in the brackets but uh you know it's a minor problem it's a TV deal it can be worked out
0: yeah well, to be honest with you what the the first thing the NHL should do is get rid of six teams and go to a four six team division really there there there's a bunch of cities that do not deserve uh hockey teams right now. You know, that whole boon in the 1990s where everybody seemed to have, you know, 10 grand in their checking account at all times is over with. And, uh, people just can't afford. I mean, all these little small towns, I mean, Phoenix is barely stalling out their, uh, their, their, what do you call it, their games. And half the people there are rooting for Detroit. You know, so it's basically, and you go down to Nashville, how many people were in game six tonight? Uh, you're going to watch if you – when we're watching the Blackhawks-National game, look at the crowd. A third of the crowd would be wearing Chicago Blackhawks stuff. Mm-hmm. Does, it, does Nashville really deserve a team? Because what happens if it ends up being Nashville versus Phoenix next round? Who's going to go to those games? Nobody's going to go. And if we're talking about playoff games, regular season games, you know, I, I understand not selling out. But if you don't sell out playoff games, your teams do not deserve to be there. So that's why the NHL – trust me, they are they – are praying that the Chicago Blackhawks move on, because not only do they sell out the, the United Center, they travel well.
1: Yeah, the Nashville Predator, not that great a draw. Nashville, by the way, just listening to some of the reporters talk about it uh, that have been down in the city covering the hockey for Chicago and talking about the nightlife and the city life, I am putting Nashville, big dog, I don't know about you, maybe you've been there in the uh, top ten cities I'd like to visit that I have not been there. I think Nashville will be a, a fun extended weekend.
0: Yeah, I, I really can't say I've been there. I actually stopped there, had like a four hour lunch one day, and just like to check out the city. But I would not call that like being in Nashville for too long. So I I, I would love to go down and uh, uh, maybe watch like a, a Vanderbilt Northwestern football game or something like that because they will, they do have a home and home going. So that's like two Septembers from now. Maybe I can check something like that
1: out. I, my thought process, processes was extending beyond the sports field. I'm just hearing about the great country music, the, uh, Five bars per city street maximum, and apparently a uh, very uh, high quality female to male ratio in the nightlife in Nashville. Big dog, you might have a good time over a long weekend in Nashville.
0: Trust me, I do need that ratio. I was uh, yes. I was dragged out to a, 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 kilt, a kilt with my boys. It was a good time this weekend, and uh, legitimately inside of the bar there were like all the girls in their little sexy little outfits, and then there was five girls in the whole place. Two of them that weren't, well, three of them that weren't with anybody. And, and, uh, Cloudy gave me the whole, he looked, he saw me, hey, did you, I was like, hey, did you see them? Are they worth it? he's like, just keep drinking. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew right yeah. then it might not be the dice.
1: Clearly, with your, uh, with your looks, you are a man in need of a good female to male ratio.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. I need, I'm, I'm a guy that really <laughs> has to roll the dice a lot in order to get the seven. Fat, uh, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. <laughs>
1: All right. Hey, one other quick hockey note before we uh, move topics. It's uh, Chicago-related, but we do got to throw a little love out the way of our AHL team here in Chicago. Many-time champions of the very competitive AHL, the Chicago Wolves, have a Game 7 tonight, big dog. And I don't care what sport you're talking about or what level, there's always something truly special about the words Game 7. Tonight, 7 o'clock.
0: Yeah, unless you're talking about like a World Series prior to 1907, because those were nine game series. Coaches,
1: oh, you know what? If it's a Game Seven in any in any sport, I'll be watching.
0: Yeah, and uh, is that going to be at home or away?
1: That is at the uh, All-State Arena. So uh, if you got the time, good seats still available.
0: Yeah, and is, that's the one thing that's sad about the Wolves is they 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 get a lot of attendance. They actually usually average about ten thousand a game, and that's great for an AHL team. From is during the playoffs because they don't have, like, these big package deals that they sell to different businesses and stuff. They usually have, like, two or 3,000 people there. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I know people are actually, you know, going to probably stay home and watch the Blackhawk game if you're a, on television if you're a hockey fan, but, you know, going out and seeing some live playoff hockey in a mm-hmm. Game 7 wouldn't be a bad idea either, going out to the All-State arena. Very family-friendly and just an yeah. absolute good time.
1: Great okay. fans. Great fans. And, by the way, the game is on TV, so I will be uh... – Flipping back and forth. I'll be you know peeking in at the Hawks, but it's game seven for the beloved Wolf. You could bet your sweet Pippi. I'll be watching a little uh Chicago Wolf hockey on my cable CN one hundred channel. But that's just me.
0: All right. Uh, I'll check in.
1: No, you won't. Don't lie to me. Uh you know I will. Very quickly, I you know, I mentioned I made one great sports taping decision, the bad taping decision I made is uh taping the Chicago Bulls game yesterday. I ended up watching it about eight o'clock at night. Me and my young son getting done with the game. We had to go out for a little family dinner thing. Did not know the score. Very nicely, we survived the day without hearing the score. Nobody was talking about the game, and then we watched the game, and we now realize why nobody was talking about it. What a dud. Well,
0: uh, seriously, when, when the only thing to watch in the game is the, the superstar, of the team that you're playing, how dominant he is, I mean, that's that's pretty sad. You know what I mean, Coach? Yeah. The only thing enjoyable about that game, and it's really not enjoyable, but the only thing worth watching was, your team getting beat up by the best player in the game of basketball.
1: First quarter, points, first
0: boards, eleven assists. Oh my goodness!
1: The first quarter was good. Yeah, I mean, they did, it was they, First quarter, the Bulls played like they have all series, and I've been uh, trying to tell anybody that would listen. The Bulls have really taken the games, even though they were down two-one. Have taken the game, the action 2, the Cavaliers in the first quarter. They were doing that, and then oh, about three, four, five minutes into the second quarter, I think the Bulls led something like. something like that. At that point on for the rest of the game, they just uh, completely laid an egg. And credit the Cleveland Cavaliers. They did something you don't see in NBA basketball very often, Big Doug. They played consistently intense and intelligent defense for the rest of the game.
0: It's funny you talk about the defense because it was the offense that they played that absolutely blew my mind. You, and normally you see in the playoffs, you see extremely good defense, usually a little bit lower scoring games uh, in the playoffs as opposed to the regular season, about five points a game less. Well, yesterday in the second and third period, the Cleveland Cavaliers scored 37 and then 38 points. So that's a half of basketball where they scored 75 points. That's... 75 points and a half of basketball. I know it's not one half, but it was the second and third quarters. That's quarters. That's 24 minutes. That's ridiculous, Chicago Bulls. Come on. Uh, you can't let a team score 75 points over two quarters on at, at your home court. Okay, so I, I, I don't know what they did in the fourth quarter. I was watching it while I was uh, working out. I mean, come on. That, you can't let a team just dominate you like that, not mm-hmm. on your home court, Coach. All right,
1: But, again, it just as a warning, you know, everybody's saying, well, now it goes back to Cleveland. The Bulls got no chance. You know, this series is over. Bulls can't beat the Cavaliers. Yes, they can't. If anybody watched the game, the last uh, game, game two in Cleveland, the Bulls uh, didn't dominate the game, but they took that game to Cleveland. They were the aggressors. LeBron got real hot in the fourth quarter and pulled out a win for the Cavaliers. But please, it's the same media people that are saying it's done. Uh, you know, We can fire Vinny Del Negro now and move on with the free agency. It's not over yet. The Bulls can pull out a victory at Cleveland. Most likely no, but they can do it. They've already proven that they can play tough in Cleveland. So I don't buy that... Um, Media negativism that seems to be swelling here in Chicago.
0: Yeah, well, that, that's it's typical Chicago media. They want to jump and kick you when you're down as quickly as possible. Yep. I mean, that's that's just the way they do it here in the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. But still, I will say this: even though, and I'm not with you, Coach. I do think the Cavaliers are going to end it in, in Game Five. I do think it's, they're going to end up winning. I, I think it's like a ninety percent chance that they win that game. But 90. 90. Right. Uh, I, the, the, without a doubt. Joe Kim Noah best quote of the whole weekend in any sport. There was a lot of good quotes this weekend, but he had the best one. And he said, "Just because I think Cleveland's no, just because Cleveland sucks doesn't mean I won't be giving it all I got." <laughs> I think mean, come on! I just like the fact that he won't relent that Cleveland sucks, yeah. coach. I, I think it's pretty funny.
1: Twenty-one points, twenty rebounds for Joe Kim Noah. He doesn't only get the easy rebounds; he gets rebounds in traffic and he gets rebounds out of space. Really, really good. Uh, rebounder, twenty-one and twenty for Joe Keem last night. The rest of the team was pretty much off. Other, uh, again, you want to check he's, in? He's
0: the best passing big man that the that the Bulls have had since Juwan Oldham. And Juwan Oldham wasn't passing a basketball; it was a blunt.
1: <laughs> Be careful! I think Juwan Oldham listens into this show on occasion.
0: Well, that, that's good. Uh, he's got a very nice Adam's apple.
1: Yeah, he was the guy that made us forget about Granville Waiters. <laughs> Uh, 888-463-6748. You want to talk some NBA basketball, NHL playoffs. We're going to get the baseball, the NFL draft, and our news and notes and titillating tidbits, a very sad, sad tidbit having to do with the Kentucky Derby. We'll bring that up uh, coming up. And you want to talk NBA and NHL right now, it's 888-463-6748. Again, 888-463-6748. Big dog. And the coach at your service. We do it every day from 10 until 11 Central time. Dog, other uh, basketball playoffs, a couple of, uh, I don't know if you want to say shockers, but definitely mid-major surprises. A, Oklahoma City has beaten the Lakers two in a row, and that series is 2-2. to And B, San Antonio is up 3-1 to on the favored Dallas team. And Mark Cuban, not a happy man.
0: Yeah, uh, the the thunder being 2-2 with the Lakers, I don't care what anybody says, that is a shocker to me and uh, everybody knew the Durantula Kevin Durant was awesome but this is uh this is what he called the introducing the introduction of Russell Westbrook to, to America my goodness that kick in play yeah so they, they do have two legitimate players that can be superstars down the road for the Oklahoma City Thunders uh and then you know uh, you look at you look at what Dallas has to deal with with the San Antonio Spurs. You get the two seed, and you have to deal with San Antonio in the first round. You know, It's kind of like uh, like Miami having to deal with, with Boston or, or uh, Phoenix having to play Detroit. I mean, you'd be better off losing games and, getting, and playing a team with a higher seed than you would having to play one of those teams. Uh, Dallas just had to shake their head when they got to number two overall seed. They, they probably should have thought yeah. we could have lost a couple of games and got the third seed. You'd be, they'd be much better off. Yeah, San Antonio is one of those teams. I don't care what their record is, Coach. If you say you got to win four of the next seven games, those are one of those teams that will figure out a way to win four of the next seven
1: mm-hmm. games. And I think psychology plays a big part of this series too. Mark Cuban, the uh, Dallas coach, um, who is the Dallas coach now? Uh, uh, oh, Rick, um, Rick, uh, Rick uh, Carlisle. Carlisle, who's been with about sixteen different NBA teams. They might as well bring their whole team. And, and sit them down on couches and go to the psychologist's office because Dallas clearly came into this playoff series, uh, even though they were favored, as you said. They're playing San Antonio the whole, you know, we have to win. We're the two seed, the pressure to beat a great champion. And they're feeling that pressure. San Antonio came in under the radar, seven seed. Nobody expected us to win. They're playing loose and easy. The Mavericks, every shot they take, they're like fluttering with their shooting wrists, one team playing tight, one team playing loose, in my opinion. Psychology, big dog, a big part of this potential upset.
0: Yeah, yeah, you hit, you nailed all that uh, right on the head coach. I also want to add in there, it just shows you, like, the if you're a good organization, you don't have to have a high draft picks to develop your team. Year in and year out, San Antonio adds players to their team that play, they're like ball players, solid basketball players, uh, this guy, George Hill, nobody wanted him. He, he's not even a draft pick, and now he's legitimately one of their top players right now and one of the those underrated players. He's probably the most improved player in the NBA this particular season. Manu Ginobili wasn't a first-round draft pick. Okay, I know they got Duncan, who was the number one overall before they had David Robinson, you know, five, six years ago, number one overall. But San Antonio has made it a habit of going out and not getting all these players with a big luster. They got those guys that are just skilled basketball players who have a lot of heart. And what a surprise they continue to win year in and year out. And they when was the last time San Antonio drafted in the top ten. You know, but the, the year that they drafted Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. So like when I hear all these, oh you gotta lose in order to get a high draft pick. No, no, no. That's what losers think. Winners just go out there and find basketball players, baseball players, football players in any round, no matter what it is. And we are going to be talking about the NFL draft later. And I think the Bears did rather well in this particular draft. We can get back to that at some other time, but that's what it's about, coach, building organizations. You don't, you know, you got to find gems, and they're not always at the top of the draft.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, General Manager Joel Redwanski, my guest on today's show. Well spoken, my friend. I appreciate it. Well spoken indeed. And now, our show, it goes quick here, so uh, the NFL draft is not that far down the line. When we come back, we'll talk about the draft over the weekend. Big Dawg, you can break it down a little bit or uh, you can just break down, period or maybe a combination thereof. TalkZone.com, two guys at a mic. We're going to take a quick, quick break, talk some football and baseball when we come back. David Olson, a third-round draft pick. Our producer, back in a minute.
0: Lines are open for your calls on two guys and a mic. Call 888-GO-FOR-IT. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski on TalkZone.com.
1: Apparently I made a mistake right before the break. Uh, Big dog, David Olson, our producer, not a third-round draft choice in the radio producer draft. He was a restricted free agent, and the restricted has to do with an apparent uh, background check.
0: Well, whatever it takes, Coach, as long as he gets to play, it doesn't really matter at this point, yeah. does
1: it? Yeah, well, He has shocked all the experts and elevated himself to the very high level of producer to our two guys at a mic show, which, quite frankly, uh, might not be the pinnacle of the business, Joel, but it's awfully close.
0: It's definitely something he'll tell his grandchildren about, Coach. <laughs>
1: That's a damn lie, and you know it! <laughs> all right. Uh, Backtalkzone.com, two guys at a mic. Big dog, I'll be honest with you, basketball, baseball, the weekend activities – as much as I love the NFL draft, I did not catch much of it. I'm aware of the Bears. I agree with your sentiment. A very good draft for the Bears, but your thoughts overall on the NFL draft and for our beloved Chicago team in particular?
0: Yeah, I, I didn't get to to really watch the draft because Thursday the Bulls and the Blackhawks were playing, and I don't know who the heck NFL is there trying to go primetime. Get your butt back on Saturday morning so I can enjoy the draft. If there's playoff hockey on, playoff basketball on, I'm watching that. I'm not watching uh, something that is going to have any relevance for three years, okay? If you really want to have something relevance, go back and show the draft three years ago and show show how wrong Mel Kuiper was and how right Todd McShay was for you know for seven rounds. <laughs> so I, I'm re- I'm sick of the NFL trying to do this cash grab all the time. It, it kind of bothered me, but so I didn't watch the draft. I didn't watch the second or third rounds on Friday, uh, but I, you know I get a text message. Uh, you know who's uh, who's major right and. Coach, I got ecstatic. I'm like, they got a safety. I, I could start. Remember, I, I knew you'd, you'd like. It. On Friday, you asked me, are they going to go with a safety? And I'm like, I don't think they're going to be able to get one that will be able to start. I figured Wright would be off the board, coach. He's going to be the, He's going to be a starting safety for the Bears this particular. Season. I knew.
1: I hadn't talked to you before the show, but I had a strong feeling that you would like him, and I think I know the reason why. But uh, explain, a por favor
0: because uh, first and foremost the guy can do a little bit of everything which you need to be able to do in the cover 2 you need to be able to you need to be able to you know play zone you need to be able to tackle extremely well because safeties in this particular defense really are safeties are the last line of defense and, and most importantly the guy can bring some ass he can flat out hit he can blow people up uh A couple years ago in the national title game, one of the greatest hits in the BCS game, he put on an Oklahoma wide receiver who still doesn't know what his name is at this particular point. He was watching the draft. That kid from Oklahoma heard Major right, and he dunked. Okay? The the guy can flat-out hit. He's going to be a baller. Fast as heck. You know what? This is a fantastic draft pick for the third round. You don't normally expect a kid that you draft in the third round to be able to start in their first year, The Jerry Angelo expects this guy to start this season.
1: Did you say this guy can bring some ass?
0: Yeah, that's that's okay, what I'm just... sorry, Dan. That's that's what I call it. I've always I've said yeah, that I, yeah, I'm in not, I'm high not, school football.
1: Not familiar with that uh, colloquialism, so I mean,
0: uh, did you? You didn't have to dump me, did you?
1: No. What does that what, what does that mean? That means he just plays with he plays with an,
0: an attitude. No, he can hit, coach. Okay. Because like you know, guys like that, that's like the serious thing, Because you hit with your butt, you have to drop your butt down. Yep. Before you hit somebody and then explode through. So like, yep. That's that I I've always said it I just you know I I just don't have the fear of getting dumped here as mm-hmm. I do at on previous shows. Yeah.
1: You know, if sinking your butt down was all it took to be a good football player, we have a couple of ex-producers that could have been first-round draft picks. The problem is after you sink your butt, I'm assuming to make a tackle you then have to explode with the legs.
0: Yeah, well, without that. question, our, our current producer Dave Olson, the most fit of any producer that we've yes. ever had, do any of our shows.
1: Yeah, it almost throws the whole you know the whole gig off. It's almost not fair, but uh, yeah, we've had previous producers with how do you gently put it, with a, uh, a low center of gravity.
0: Yeah, uh, weeble wobbleitis.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, well, to me, Major Wright, you know, apparently the third round pick because you know maybe he didn't run quite as fast as some of the combines and. Uh, you know, didn't lift as many weights or bench press as much. But the little bit I watched him in college football, he just makes big plays. And he plays big in big games. He makes plays, and that's what you need out of a football player. Not a combine guy, but a football player.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you're when you're talking about your fifth, sixth, seventh-round pick, even if you're third, if you have a first and second-round pick, you can even do this in the third round. But if you want to take some guy that you know has got heart and brain and a little bit of football skill but it's like ridiculous and, you know in, in on the combine you know you, you take those guys later on in tournaments of projects guys that you can coach up and maybe go you know and and do something for you but first and foremost what you have to do is find football players okay smart kids guys with heart and guys that can block and tackle and, and do that type of stuff so uh that is the key thing when you're looking at any particular football player and you're looking at draft mm-hmm. kind of like how the Raiders, they took Rolando McLean in the, in the first round. A little bit of a debate in our house over it, and basically uh, the guys that I felt were right were saying, hey, he can block, I mean, he can tackle, and he's a leader of men. Who cares that he didn't do a home-the-combine, stuff like that? That's, uh, the Bears got a football player in the third round. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, your comments, you watch the NFL Draft fans out there, two guys at a mic listeners, feel free to chime in. Your thoughts, comments, whatever city you might be checking in from, whatever team you root for, 888-463-6748. The Bears did not have a first-round pick, didn't have a second-round pick, so we had to get our jollies out of the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh-round picks. Northwestern provided us fourth-round pick, Corey Wooten, and then a local kid who grew up about a half an hour from the studios here, Dan Lafever highly rated quarterback the bears weren't looking for a quarterback but they got one on the 6th round big dog and um the mac conference where he comes from has provided some pretty good qbs he could be a sleeper
0: yeah uh, hopefully uh, he's a sleeper the uh, there's been a bunch of really good mac quarterbacks to, in the nfl and you know the kids from Donner's Grove uh, went to Bennett High School so uh uh, a little local flavor, you know, a little bit extra reason why you want him to be successful. First and foremost, he's going to be wearing the C on the side of his helmet, so that's why we want him to be successful. Mm-hmm. And he he better be good, and he better be good early, because if the Bears don't bring in a veteran backup, I, I don't want to go Caleb Haney, uh, you know, and Dan LeFever. Hopefully Dan LeFever is good, a lot better than we even uh, project him to be, just in case Jay Cutler gets hurt, because I really think the Bears have a good shot at contending next year it, and getting into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So if Cutler gets hurt, and it, this is the NFL, don't expect him to play all 16 games, even though he's basically done that every year. Well um, spoken,
1: well spoken, but a cheap shot at one of my favorite bears, the backup quarterback, Caleb Haney. I am the uh, reigning president of the Katie, Kaylee, Caleb ha- Haney. Thank you. The Caleb Haney fan club. I think he could be a pretty good quarterback, but then again, growing up at Chicago Big Dog, I always favor the backup quarterback, the guy that we've never seen.
0: Yeah, that's that's typical. <laughs> we we've done that many many times. Well, it, you can't fun. blame was,
1: us here in Chicago.
0: The, the only during the run uh, of Jim McMahon, who's definitely a pain in the ass off the field. Yes, but it, it, I mean, when he became the quarterback of the Bears, I think yeah. that was the only time ever since I've been alive that the backup wasn't the most favorite quarterback yeah. on the team. And that was because a brief. When when yeah, when we saw Steve Fuller play, we realized Jim McMahon better get healthy <laughs> and quick. <laughs>
1: And it wasn't like that was a 10-year career. We had a couple of good years of Jim McMahon. So two in the last 35 years for long-suffering Bear fans. I'm a guy who uh, goes all the way back. Much of my teenage uh, childhood problems, I date back to the quarterback woes of Bobby Douglas. It's I don't know if it's true or not, but it's a good excuse, Big Doug. The uh, Bear quarterback situation has affected my social life and academic life as well as my sports life.
0: I hate to admit that it has affected me in both those areas yes. too and even more my sleep processes, <laughs> but, but, uh, so, but uh, moving beyond the quarterback, the, the Corey Wooten pick a phenomenal. pick. What This is a pretty deep draft. If you consider that on the board at the time, uh, was Corey Wooten and Thaddeus Gibson of Ohio state, two extremely good defensive ends out of the big 10, the bears could have done well with either or either, or, but, uh, Wooten probably, you know, he's definitely more of a four-three type defensive end, and the Bears play a four-three. Thaddeus Gibson's is going to end up playing uh, probably strong outside linebacker for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So mm-hmm. I, I understood why they went to Wooten instead of Gibson. But I mean, that was a phenomenal pick. This kid had a, a knee injury, and that's why he fell. But you know, if you get a steal with a 4 round pick, you're going to really need one. So the point of the matter is they don't, they, they didn't really need to draft a defensive end coach. But they he was the best player on the board in their yep. eyes, so they took him, which I, I think is the right way to go about it.
1: Yeah, it's the old story. I mean, that's an age-old thing in the draft. Do you pick uh, due to needs, you know, what position you need, or do you pick the best player available? And I think the answer to that, Big Dog, is neither extreme. You might favor one or the other, but in a situation where, hey, a guy comes up in the fourth round where you had projected, like, early second round – well, we yep. don't need a defensive end, but in our scouts' opinion, in our opinion, this guy's too good to pass up. You know, it, it's it's a tough call because they are pretty loaded at defensive end. If they think this guy is this good, let him play, and maybe as you said, they'll turn him into the Black Ted Hendricks and make him uh, an outside, you know, a six foot six inch outside linebacker.
0: Oh no, no, no! Corey Wooten's a defensive end. I was talking about Thaddeus Gibson, The reason why they went with talking Wooten about who the Gibson. Yeah, Corey Wooten is going to put his hand on the ground. Oh, okay. He's going to go after quarterbacks with some serious intensity. And maybe this will actually light a fire up underneath Mark Anderson's butt or something like that, because mm-hmm. unlike Jerron Gilbert, this kid will be able to get on the field as a rookie. Mm-hmm. So Jerron
1: Gilbert, another man with an extremely low center of gravity and a great base. But the problem is when the ball is snapped, you have to uh, move, and that seems to be a problem
0: for Jerron Gilbert. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, he was a combine guy, Coach. Jerron yep. Gilbert, oh, did you see how fast he ran? Well, I hate to tell you, he doesn't you don't wear tights and track shoes and <laughs> run in a straight line on a football field. Yeah. That that is that is the issue because if that's all it was, you know, Mike mamula would be the, the Hall of Fame right now.
1: Did Javon Gilbert really wear tights?
0: Or everybody that's, does when they run the forty in the combine coach. That's
1: that's not a good look for the three hundred and thirty eight pounder. Are
0: you sure they were like yeah, he, Consider he came into the NFL at 268, if he's at 338, now that might explain why he doesn't move very well anymore. 260? So, he ate himself into being a, a nose tackle. Jerron
1: Gilbert hasn't seen 260 since his high school junior year. Who you can 260? Not that Jerron Gilbert I saw playing for the Chicago Bears. No, sir, indeed.
0: Well, I, I, it's funny that you even saw him play. I didn't even think he made the field last year. <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, the two or three times he was on the field, like legitimately, they, they had to send him out on first down yep. just so he can get to the huddle by third down.
1: Great combine guy, though. Great oh, combine
0: yeah. guy. And so, and plus, he jumped out the pool. Yes. Oh, is that the guy? Yeah, he's the one who jumped out oh, of the pool. Oh,
1: I remember that famous video. That was unbelievable. Yeah, so un- they he jumped out of the pool.
0: Uh-huh. So they, they dra- Kind of like the, the Giants moved up. They moved up to draft a guy that did 24 consecutive backflips. That Jean-Pierre St. Paul. Pierre. Paul Paul Pierre, yeah. Uh Yeah, whatever his name is. So he can Uh, go
1: with the New York Giants' defensive front line now will be Osiyu Munara. Who's the other guy they got with the weird last name?
0: Ashimaga? Matthias Kiwanuka, who's their best football player on the defensive side. Who? What's it? Matthias Kiwanuka. Yeah,
1: so they got Matthias Kiwanuka.
0: Okay, one day you'll pronounce it right.
1: OCU Minora, and now they picked up Jean-Paul Pierre Palat.
0: You know the only reason why he's uh, like uh, OC <laughs> is on that team because he's got menorah in his last name and an extremely high Jewish community and ticket season base his holder yeah, base in, yeah. the, in New York. By the way, he's gone. OCU Minora will not play what? another snap for the New York What? Guys. Come on that's that's my prediction.
1: On behalf of all the OCU Minora fans out there see in the New York area, I take issue with my good partner Joel. Why?
0: Well, he said it before the season was over. With on the last game, he got he was benched. He didn't. They didn't even put him on the field. Mm-hmm. He didn't one snap. And he's like, I played my last game for the New York Giants. And Tom Coughlin didn't say, Oh no, he wasn't. He was wrong. And the next thing you know, they they up a defensive end in the first round and a defensive end very much like O.C. U. Minora, who averaged against the run and very good against the pass. Mm-hmm. Pass rush. So yeah, he's probably gone. They got Justin Tuck on the other end, coach. Ah. You, if if you get a number, if you draft. It, A number one, a first-round draft pick that isn't a quarterback is expected to start. At any position, any position, you're supposed to start if you're a number one draft pick and you're not a quarterback.
1: I forgot about Justin Tuck. I apologize to one and all.
0: By the way, uh, O.C.,
1: he knows better now, but the first few times they did the national anthem and they sang out, O.C., can you say, uh, O.C., can you see, he thought the song was for him.
0: Well, that's funny because Jose Cardinal used to do the same thing, yeah. Jose. And you see, like, yeah, why do you keep asking this stupid question? <laughs> but it's nice
1: that you care, right? Yeah, oh, goodness. All right, we got a few minutes left. Uh, and, again, our phone number here, 888-463-6748. Awkward transition number two on the two guys in a mic show. Triple well, eight.
0: Well, I just want to go one thing before yes, we go sir. to the transition, Coach. Everybody's talking about how the Seattle Seahawks did phenomenal in this draft. The Detroit Lions. Look out. Ridiculously well in that press. Yes, draft. yes. Just wanted to throw that out there. The Detroit Lions are only <laughs> going to be very bad next year, which for them is going to be their best season in 15 years. Yep. Okay, they're only going to be very bad. Yep. So there's a very, very big upswing for the Detroit Lions.
1: Yeah, they're starting to load up on uh, quality talent, and it might start uh-huh. to finally show through this year, no question. Uh, all right, 888-463-6748. Real quick, only a few minutes left. Baseball over the weekend, big dog. Uh, when well, we left. On Friday's show, of course, Friday's games had not been played. We were trying to downplay baseball. We were talking about it being a long season. Oh, my goodness, 135 more games to go. Mediocrity already setting in with the Cubs and Sox. Oh, what a difference. A weekend can meet, bring out the brooms, sweep for the White Sox, sweep for the Cubs. You alluded to it earlier in the show. They did it in different styles, but the bottom line is... The brooms were out on both sides.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, if the Cubs win three one-run games over the next three days, I'd be more than happy. I, they don't have to blow everybody out. Yeah, but it, it was good to see, uh, you know, the big bats swinging. And the, the the key that I love so far for the for the Chicago Cubs is normally the Cubs have their lineup set in stone yep. as of April 10th. Well, this year, all of a sudden, Alfonso Soriano has to fight for playing time. You know what I mean? And uh, that, I think, is really helping him. Mike Fontenot not being horrible so far this year, he has to fight for his playing time. All of a sudden, he's hitting 300. I, I like the fact that guys have to play well in order to get on the field this particular year. That's actually going to help the Cubs big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tyler Colvin yesterday. You know, I always thought the kid was going to be pretty good after seeing him in Clemson. I thought he was going to be a good Major League Baseball player. And then all of a sudden, he had to this spring, and people are calling him Ted Williams. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. Well, those people right? Do they have the next Ben Williams on their team? My goodness, Coach, the kid looks phenomenal in his first three weeks as a professional baseball player. Yeah, it's a little,
1: little players. you don't want to put that kind of pressure on him. But know, uh, everybody know, thought, you know, spring training superstar. He didn't have a good spring training. He had a great spring he training. He was supposed a Jerry to be...
0: Scott-type spring training coach. <laughs> Please. He's like 480 or something like that.
1: Yeah, compare it to somebody else, please. I was getting all excited, but he was supposed to go to minor league baseball, but he did so good. Lou Pignela, Jimmy Hendry, and said, We got to put this guy on the roster, and you watch him play. Uh, And he's not going to be a spring training sensation and a regular season dud. This guy is a player. Let's not get carried away with the whole Ted Williams thing, but Tyler yeah, yeah, Colvin. Yeah.
0: You, you know I was, go, I yeah. was exaggerating. I, I really don't think he's Ted Williams.
1: But he's going to be a quality, quality outfit. He's a ball player. He's smart. He's intelligent. He plays ball. And he can hit. That's always a good thing.
0: Yeah, and I uh, like that you use the term ball player because a guy that wasn't in the lineup yesterday but has been uh, bringing that ball player mentality back to the to the Chicago Cubs was uh, Marlon Byrd. Yep. Coach, I can't remember a player that the Cubs have brought on that I've liked more than Marlon Byrd in, in years. Well, look, he, he reminds me of DeRosa, a lot of DeRosa, where it just seems like whenever he watches that bat, he's hitting to the situation exactly. You know, if there's nobody on, nobody out, one-run game, Marlon Byrd's going to take a walk. If there's two outs, you know, two strikes on him, he shortens his swings up and he makes sure he he gets... Uh, you know, a good swing on the ball. Mm-hmm. Marlon Bird has the most two-art RBIs of the Chicago Cubs this year.
1: I knew That's, nothing about you know, Marlon Byrd when he came to the Cubs and was, uh, you know, from hearing about him in the offseason, optimistically looking forward to him playing. And I, like you, have been more than pleasantly surprised. You bring up some of his baseball skills. Big dog, what I've noticed about Marlon Bird is here as a kid, he's not a rookie. He's been around for a while. I think you can call him a Major League Baseball veteran. He plays. Well, without
0: a doubt, yeah.
1: He plays every game. Like it's his first game in the major leagues, whether he's on the bench, whether he's out on the field, on the on deck circle, pregame, postgame. He is just a kid having fun. Watch him after the game when the Cubs win. I mean, he is genuinely excited. He's brings his first year in the Cubs, already bringing all the outfielders together. He's high fiving everybody. He plays with almost like a childlike love of the game, and it's refreshing to see.
0: Yeah, you're 100% right about that. He plays with that, that effervescence. He just seems to be enjoying it. Yeah. And he also gets the fact, your goal shouldn't be, oh, I want to drive in 100 RBIs. I want to hit 25 home runs. No, what can I do to help my team win? That's what he really, really is trying to do. Right when he first got here, he starts telling, oh, to the pitchers, oh, you're tipping pitches. You know, you're, this, he told me he told, like, three different pitchers, oh, I know when you're throwing this, I know when you're throwing that. And they were like, really? And all these pitchers have thanked him since then, like Dempster. Uh, he did something with Dempster. Uh, he, too bad he can't tell Samarja what's wrong with him. But all these pitchers have said, like, yeah, he told me I would fit my pitches. And he's like, and I've been doing it for years and I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And he's and he's in the dugout. If you watch Marlon Bird in the dugout, they always show him. he's talking to like one of the younger guys. He's always trying to figure out what the other pitcher is throwing. He's yep. bringing the ball player attitude back to the city of Chicago. And I can't even explain how much I like this guy. I just, whether the Cubs do win, win the division this year or not, I really don't think they're going to. They have a lot of holes. But this kid's going to be around when they do win the division and get into actually mm-hmm. advance in the playoffs. He's going to be a big part of it.
1: Yep, got good pitching over the weekend. Did the Cubs as well. Randy Wells again,
0: the strike proving, machine.
1: Yeah, he looks like he's not going to have that sophomore slump. He's been a. He's uh,
0: John Lieber, coach. He is John Lieber.
1: That's a good call.
0: Uh huh.
1: That's a compliment, John Lieber. If you're not familiar with them,
0: uh, the last twenty game winner for the Chicago Cubs, John Lieber, but
1: consistent. A guy you can depend on, a bulldog mentality, not spectacular, but consistently good. And um, you win as a team with pitchers like Randy Wells.
0: Uh-huh. Exactly. Yep. Exactly.
1: All right. White Sox swept two, and what a traumatic weekend for the White Sox. Big dog. Uh, two walk-off homers, back-to-back games. And then yesterday, not quite a walk-off, but pretty close to a Paulie Canerco, his eighth homer of the year in the eighth inning, and the Sox win three. Uh, heartbreak, well, not heartbreaking, three heart-stomping games, and boy, do they need to, because their psyche coming into the weekend, not so good. It's a lot better three days later.
0: Yeah, and the, the good thing about that, uh, the America League Central, it doesn't look like anybody's going to be able to run away with that division. So, no. uh, a bad start, you'd be able to overcome that. You know, you're not going to bury yourself in April in that particular division, but they have played a lot of players that they are depending on in order to pitch well. Or play well, really haven't done it for the White Sox yet. And yet you look at them and they're still only a couple games out of, out of first place. So it's not like you have to bury them yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I think very similar to what the Chicago Cubs have, they have a lot of players who weren't guaranteed a spot in the lineup. They have to earn their, their playing time. Even Alex Rios, uh, Andrew Jones. I mean, Juan Pierre, these guys have to play well. They have to perform in order to get their at-bats. And there's something to say, you can say, oh, these guys get paid, you know, Alex Rios gets paid, you know, $15 million a year, blah, blah, blah. He's going to go out there and try his best. Yeah, of course he will. Everybody's going to try their best, Coach. I will never doubt a professional player's effort. But there is a little bit something different when they wake up and they realize, you know, if I don't perform today, I won't be playing tomorrow. And if I don't play tomorrow, maybe I don't play the day after that. Mm-hmm. I really, really believe in that stuff. Far too many players get handed position. And, like, I, I I hate to say it, but I think Alfonso Soriano was kind of handed a position, you know, last year. He should have been benched a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, this year, he's worried about playing time. And what he's back to the Alfonso Soriano that we that he was, you know, in the middle of the 08 season. So. Not,
1: not only in sports and business uh, as well, or even in the radio industry, uh, competition. Not being too comfortable in your spot, competition almost always uh, will provide some uh, quality performance. It makes people perform better. As you were speaking, Big there's like four or five well-dressed gentlemen lined up outside, apparently, to interview with our general manager, the commander-in-chief, Chris Whitting. I don't know if it's for our job or not, but uh, I think the same place, same thing applies in radio as it does in baseball.
0: Yes. Uh, hopefully those are salespeople.
1: I'm hoping that. Yes. I'm hoping that. They are dressed pretty well, which probably means they're not sports tacos. <laughs> I'm just hoping that anyways. Hey, by the way, one sad note to report. David Olson informing me, our fine producer. Very difficult for me to do this show in all semi-seriousness. Uh, the Kentucky Derby coming up next Saturday. 136th running of the Kentucky Derby. We'll be previewing it all week, but apparently the favorite horse, Escandaria. Is going to be out of the Derby. They don't have to put him down at least as now, but he does have swelling in his left foot. Trainer Todd Pletcher says he will not race in the Derby. The favorite is out. Big Dog, a sad moment for the racing fans. Uh,
0: yeah, it is. And, you know, the the crazy thing about that horse is it came from nowhere and yep. then went turned into the favorite. Yep. You know, so it, it's pretty sad. So,
1: swelling in the left leg. Pretty... Have You ever had swelling in your left leg and? did anyone ever uh, consider putting you down for it
0: you know I had gout when I was married and I am not kidding you <laughs> before before we had the life insurance policy what came first the gout the gout next thing you know I get a, right after I get the health insurance policy I get the gout and my ex wife's oh we're gonna to have to put you down well you're gonna have we're gonna to have to put you down I was like, what the hell so you know luckily luckily I made it out
1: uh there's good medicine for that by the way if you need a good uric acid pharmacist I've got one
0: Yeah, it's called eating right, exercising, quit smoking, and Uh, don't drink to excess, and all of a sudden you won't have gout anymore. And basically that's what I've done, and I haven't had gout since I was married.
1: I prefer to smoke, eat badly, and not exercise and take the pills. It has the same effect.
0: No gout for me. What do you smoke, though, Coach? Huh? What do you smoke, Coach?
1: (laughs) All right. Big dog, we've got to
0: wrap up the show.
1: Great having you We've got uh, lots of tomorrow's Residue Tuesday. We'll pick up more of the storyline, okay?
0: Yeah, can, I, can I break down Corey Wooten coming out of his three point stand? You
1: can break down whoever you want. All right. We want to thank David Olson, our producer. Great job. We'll do it again at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day out there, everybody. It's two guys and a bike on the talkzone.com.